This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. A faithful shelter from temptation. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. A faithful shelter from temptation. Would you like to start that? Oceanography owes a great debt to the books of Matthew Fontaine Maury. His discoveries have been of inestimable help to navigators of the high seas. Maury acknowledged his debt to the Bible for some of his scientific findings. One day when he was ill, his son read Psalm 8 to him. When the boy read the eighth verse, his father asked him to repeat it. The birds of the air the fish of the sea, and all that swim the paths of the seas. Can you imagine that? Mm-hmm. That was the thing that really inspired him that his son was reading. Let's do that one more time. The birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and all that swim the paths of the seas. When the boy had finished, the great scientist declared, if there are paths in the sea, I'm going to find them. Today, the great ocean-going vessels follow the paths marked out by Mari who believed they were there because the Bible said they were. We are looking at the truths of the Bible. You know, it never fails. It's always true. God's Word is constantly revealing truth to us, genuinely. Psalm 91 verse 1 says, Those who live... You know, those who live, not occasionally visiting this place, but... Those who live in this particular place, what are you talking about? Those? Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will... Those who live in the shelter of the Almighty, of the Most High, find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare of the Lord. He alone is my refuge. My place of safety. Is he your place of safety? Yes, he is. Is Almighty God, is, is he your place of safety? Yes. Do you run to him often? Yes. You, 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 you seek his presence and he shows up and he helps you? Yes. That's awesome. This I declare of the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. God will rescue you and he'll shelter you from Everything. He'll shelter you from temptation. He genuinely will. He is my God and I am trusting him. For he will rescue you from every trap. Have you ever had to deal with a trap of the devil? Mm -hmm. He tries to trap you somehow, some way, some negative something is trying to trap you and it says for He will rescue you. Almighty God will rescue you from every trap, you know. God's going to rescue you and and shelter you from temptations and, and all. And protect you from the fatal plague. Horace Greeley says, It is impossible to mentally or socially enslave a Bible reading people. A Bible-reading people will stay free. That's what he's saying. A Bible-reading people will 
stay free. And he said it's impossible to mentally or socially enslave a Bible reading people. You're going to walk in that freedom. Verse 4 says, He will shield you with his wings. Speaking of God, he will shelter you with his feathers. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. God will rescue you and God will shelter you from every temptation, everything that's negative that would come against us. And it's neat there that it says it's his faithful promises are our armor and protection. His faithful promises are really key to right. our being sheltered from temptation. Or our His word. armor and our protection. protection. That's what he says. And that's what he means. That's the truth. 100% the truth. Have you been discovering? Have you ever discovered a promise in the Bible? Have you ever been just reading along in the Bible and you discovered a promise? It's like, wow, that's, that's awesome. It's just like, wow, wow that, that's just fantastic. Genuinely, you know. This Psalm 91 is chock full of promises from God's Word. If you've never taken on a, uh, a challenge to memorize a bigger portion of Scripture, I would challenge you to memorize Psalm 91. You will never regret it. It is one of the most amazing Psalms that is so full of the promises of God and so encouraging. And you will discover some amazing promises there as you memorize do, do, it. Do you think these folks here, do you think that they could memorize the promises of Almighty God? Yes. Yes. Do, do you think you could do that? Yes. You think it would change your life? Yes. Absolutely. The promises of Almighty God, they transform our lives. That's right. Genuinely, from the inside out. Verse 5 says, Do not be, be afraid. afraid of the terrors of the night, nor fear the dangers of the day. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night. A lot of people are afraid of stuff that happens at night. Mm-hmm. And he says, Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor fear the dangers of the day. Even if it's daylight, there's dangers out there. He says, don't go there. Don't be afraid of the terrors of night, nor fear the dangers of the day, nor dread the plague. Have you ever heard of plagues? Mm-hmm. And pandemics. <laughs> You're exactly right. Nor dread the plague that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. You know, because the almighty God, he is faithful to everything he's ever promised That's us. That's right. And that's the truth of it. That's true. Verse 7 says, this is again still in Psalm 91, Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will will not not touch touch you. you. That's what he says in his word. That's the promises of Almighty God. He goes on in verse 8, But you will see it with your eyes. You will see how the wicked are punished. So what he says here, if you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No No plague. No evil. No evil. No temptation will conquer you. Not a small percentage of those things are going to conquer you. It's what he's saying. No evil, no evil will conquer you. No plague, 
will come near your dwelling, you know, God will rescue you, you know, and, and he has this awesome shelter, you know, and, and he shelters us from temptations, whatever they might be, whatever evil would try to come against us. That's what he says. You know, as I think about this, I think about, you know, when, when I would, I, our kids learned this scripture, the whole thing, Psalm 91, when, when they were young and I just, when it talks about God's feathers and us being under his shelter, I, I picture a chicken, you know, a big chicken and all the little bitties underneath. And when a storm comes, where do all those little bitties run? They run underneath the shelter of that, that mama bird, chicken, yeah. you know, that mama chicken. And they're peeking out and the brunt of that storm is not bothering them. And when we find ourselves in the shelter of the Most High, no matter what storms come, no matter what temptations come, we are protected. You're right. We are protected. Let's, uh, let's read that one again. No evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your dwelling. That's what he says. For he orders his angels to protect you. God with... orders his angels to protect. See my here who God's angels protect? Yes. Yeah. yeah. There's some hands. He says... He orders his angels to protect you wherever you go. That's what he says. Mm -hmm. That's what God says. They will hold you with their hands to keep you from striking your foot on a stone. You will trample down lions. He says you will trample down lions. Is that right? Mm -hmm. And poisonous snakes. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. You know, he's talking about you guys, and you're thinking, no, 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 not me, not me and lions, not, not me and snakes. It's like, that's what he's saying right here. And I think you know? it's significant that it says lions and snakes because the scripture, I think we may read it a little bit later, but it likens Satan as a roaring lion, and it also, we know him as a serpent. And right. that means that he, he will not have victory over us in, in areas of, of tempting us. He will not You're have right. victory. In verse 14, the Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. Let me just ask a question really quick before we go any further. Is anybody here 100% sure and unashamed that you genuinely love God? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just about everybody. I will rescue those who love me. I will protect, protect those, those who trust in my name. my name. That's awesome. I mean, he made it very clear and very plain. He gave us an opportunity to say so, didn't he? Mm-hmm. God will rescue us and he will shelter us from temptations. Let's read up here in verse 15. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. Mm, God will come to your aid, you know. He'll, he'll shelter us during times of temptation, whatever difficulties are coming against us. He says that when they call on me, mm. if we don't call on him when we're being tempted, he will not answer. We need to call on him. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. Verse 16, I will satisfy them with a long life and give them my salvation. 
Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Jesus overcame temptation by the word. That, now, what's that? What's that? Which word is that we're supposed to say? The word of God. It's the word of God. He, he says, Jesus overcame temptation by the word. You know, the devil is not afraid of the Bible that's just covered in dust. Is, is, is your Bible covered in dust? No. Nope. If it is, it's time to clean it off, <laughs> to wipe it off, and to open that book. It transforms us and it changes us. It genuinely does. The faithful promises were Jesus' armor when he faced the devil in the wilderness and was tempted for those 40 days. God's faithful promises were his armor. Billy Graham once said, the Bible is the only thing that can combat the devil. Quote, the scriptures and the devil will run. Use the scriptures like a sword and you'll drive temptation away. That's the truth. God's word is such, so much more powerful than we could ever imagine. Like suntan lotion and sunblock. Uh, anybody here got suntan lotion with you? It's starting to get kind of warm out there, ain't it? Yeah, we, we needed some yesterday when we were out in it, that's for sure. Like suntan lotion and sunblock, to have God's word does us no good if we don't apply it. Oh, that's right. You got to apply that stuff. Yep, same with God's word. We have to apply it. It doesn't prevent you from getting a sunburn, does it? If you don't apply it. Nope. You've got to apply that lotion and you've got to apply God's word. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is full of living power. Other books were given for information, but the Bible is given for our transformation. Absolutely. Our transformation. The Bible banned at times, burned at other times, but also beloved. More widely read, more frequently attacked than any other book in history. Generations of intellectuals have attempted to discredit the Bible. Dictators of every age in history have outlawed it and have executed those who read it. Yet soldiers often carry it into the battle believing it more powerful than their weapons. Fragments of God's word are smuggled into solitary prison cells and have transformed ruthless killers into gentle saints, so says Charles Colson. It's powerful. Mm-hmm. A thorough knowledge of the Bible is worth more than a college education. Does anybody here have a college education? Is anybody here, can you quote the whole Bible? God's word genuinely is powerful. And it's interesting who said that. It wasn't a preacher. It wasn't, you know, a theologian. A thorough knowledge of the Bible is worth more than a college education. So said Theodore Roosevelt. So said Theodore Roosevelt. The mighty Niagara River. Anybody been to the Niagara? Awesome. Yeah. The mighty Niagara Falls, 180 foot, 
at the American and Horseshoe Falls, before the falls, there are violent, turbulent rapids. Further upstream, however, where the river current flows more gently, boats are able to navigate. Just before the river empties into the Niagara, a pedestrian walkway spans the river. Posted on this bridge's pylons is a warning sign for all the boaters. It says, do you have an anchor? That's what it says on those pylons that's holding up that bridge. And then there's another note on the post there. It says, do you know how to use it? <laughs> Does anybody here know, know how to, to use an anchor? Mm-hmm. That's what he's saying. Do you have an anchor? Do you know how to use it? Because you must be prepared to apply it. When you're in a, such a dangerous place as that, you got to be able to apply it. And when we're floating down a river where there's temptations, we need to know how to apply God's word. Have you ever stopped a boat as you're being carried away down the river by a current? Have you ever thrown out an anchor? Have you ever tried to stop that? Anyhow, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, it says, Give all your worries and cares to God. Oh, now what, what percentage do you reckon that song about? 100%. 100%. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about what happens to you. Now, if you would help me right here for just a moment, if you would turn to the person beside you and point at them and say, he's talking about you. He's talking, He's talking about, about you. you. He is talking, talking about, about you. First Peter chapter 5 verse 7 says, Give all your worries and cares to God. For He cares about what happens to you. That's right. And don't ever yield you know, to the temptation to worry. You don't need to worry. You just need to put your faith in the Almighty He says here in verse 8, he says, be careful. Be careful, exclamation mark. Watch out for attacks from the devil. And he's saying, watch out. Mm -hmm. Because the enemy of our soul, the devil, will attack us. And he says here in verse 8, be careful. Watch out for attacks from the devil, your great enemy. He prowls around like a roaring lion Looking for some victim to devour. Verse 9. Take a firm stand against him. And be strong in your... What's that word? Faith. faith. And, and where do we get faith from? God's word. From God's word. Genuinely. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing God's word. Take a firm stand against him. And be strong in your faith. Remember that Christians all over the world are going through... The same kind of suffering that you are. You know, sometimes people don't take that stand firm, though. They just let the devil lead them wherever he wants to take them. They don't stand against him. Even Christians sometimes don't stand against him. And we we need to do this. We need to stand firm and be strong in our faith. The Battle of Antietam in 1862 was the bloodiest day of the Civil War. 
in 12 hours, there were 10,000 Confederate casualties and even more on the Union side. At last, the sun went down and the battle ended, smoke heavy in the air, the twilight quivering with the anguished cries of thousands of wounded men, wrote one historian. Though the battle appeared a draw, Union General George McClellan was able to end Robert E. Lee's thrust into Maryland, forcing him to retreat across the Potomac. This was possible for only this one reason, because two Union soldiers found a copy of Lee's battle plans Hmm. and delivered them to McClellan before the battle. In some respects, we are no match for our adversary, Satan. But as with General McClellan, our enemy's plans have fallen into our hands. We know his strategies to entice us with lies, lust, greed, and the like. With such knowledge given us by God's Word and by God's Spirit within, we too can resist the enemy's advances. That's the truth. We have insight. We know how the enemy is going to attack us. Mm-hmm. And we can be prepared for that. There's a scripture, I can't remember the, where it is right now, but it, it basically says we are not ignorant of Satan's devices or of his strategies and schemes. You're right. We know. 100%. Him. Psalm 40 verse 8 says, The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. The word of our God stands forever. That's what he says, you know. I'm sorry for men who do not read the Bible. So said Woodrow Wilson. I'm sorry for men who do not read the Bible every day. I wonder why they deprive themselves of the strength and of such pleasure. Because they don't read their Bible. They deprive themselves from strength and from just absolute the joy of having communications with the Almighty God who empowers them, who empowers us. That's just the truth of it. Robert E. Lee says, In all my perplexities and distresses, the Bible has never failed to give me light and strength. Robert E. Lee. Ephesians chapter 6, 11. A familiar scripture, it says, Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm. Again, that phrase, stand firm against all strategies. All strategies. You can stand firm against all the strategies, which is basically talking about the the tricks, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Of the devil, you know? And he says, put on all God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies and tricks of the devil. For we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against those mighty powers of darkness who rule this world, and against spiritual wicked spirits in the heavenly realms. Verse 13 says, use every piece of God's armor to resist the enemy in the time of evil. How much of the armor did he say we should use? All of it. it. Every piece of it. To protect ourselves is what he's telling us. 
you know. Use every piece of God's armor to resist the enemy in the time of evil so that after the battle, you will still be standing firm. After the battle, you'll still be standing firm. Verse 14 says, stand your ground, putting on the sturdy belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the, what is it? Peace. The peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In every battle, you will need faith as your shield to stop the fiery arrows aimed at you by Satan. Now, this right here is 100% true. This is not a fiction. This is 100% the truth. God is telling us how to use the armor and, and what it's designed for. And then he says in verse 17, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit. Let's see, did I have a sword of me? <laughs> did somebody get my sword? <laughs> And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Bible. God's Word is the sword of the Spirit. And it is a weapon far better than what the birds that we have read about that would fight. Mm -hmm. And it's far better than a bear or any other kind of an animal. But he tells us that God's word is the sword of the spirit. And it's designed, you can tell this sword right here is designed to be successful. This right here was not designed to play tennis with or badminton or something. (laughs) This sword right here was designed to be effective. You can tell what it looks like, what it was created for. Put on the salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit is the Bible. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Put on that helmet, (laughs) that, that salvation which is the word of God. Pray at all times and on every occasion in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, is that something that you guys think is really possible? Mm -hmm. Can we pray at all times? Yes. I mean, have you ever tried praying all the time? Yes. Does it work? Yes. Yes. He says, pray at all times and on... How many occasions? Every occasion. He says on every occasion, and you pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's right. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what he's telling us to do. And then he says, stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for all Christians everywhere. You pray one for another, and you're alert, and you pray. And you're, you're in the spirit. You're, you're praying in a way that you're connecting with the all 
mighty God. And this gives us power over the temptations that we face. James chapter 4 verse 7 says, So humble yourselves before God. Humble yourself before God. You know, you got to, when you humble yourself and you resist those temptations and the evil one who comes against you, you know, you you can resist those things. Mm -hmm. You genuinely can. But first we need to humble ourselves before God, then resist the devil. And he will flee from you. That's what he says. He will do. Have you ever memorized uh, any scriptures in the Bible? Mm -hmm. Let me see. How many hands have you memorized? I want you to think about it for just a moment. When you think about it, you know, he says this is a sword of the spirit. I mean, it's very effective against some, you know, evil animal that's trying to hurt you. This would be pretty effective against it. Now, do you think that this would be effective against a bear? Mm-hmm. Yes. 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 Has anybody had a bear in your yard recently? Yes. yes. So have I. <laughs> I just want to be included. You know? And, and, and uh, we know the bears that we've been seeing is big bears. You know, they're, they're big bears. They're not little... You know, as we look at the armor, most of the pieces of the armor are of God are for our protection. They're defensive, you know, for our defense. But the word of God, the sword of the spirit, I mean, they're all fashioned after the word of God. But the sword of the the spirit, it says, which is the word of God and prayer. Those are the two parts of the armor that are our offensive part. That's what we we attack. We we stand firm and we. We do damage to the devil through those. All the other parts are for our protection, our helmet, our, our breastplate, our, you know, our, the belt of truth, the shoes, and, and, and the shield. All of those things protect us, but it's the sword and prayer that we attack with, that we use against the enemy of our soul. So when we humble ourselves before God and resist the devil, he will flee from us, it says here. Absolutely right. And it's, it's vital for us to do our part. Yes. God has given us weapons. Yeah. He genuinely has given us weapons and he's taught us how to stand your ground. That's what he's told us and he wants us to do that. And it's amazing. He's given us a tool chest. It's got a Bible. Mm-hmm. And it's full of the weapons that he has given us to stand our ground. You right. know? And just remember, remember a song we used to sing about I ain't going to lay my armor down? I do remember that song. That's an awesome song. Well, you want to sing it? Yeah, but you should pitch it because I pitch it too low. Anybody else who know that song? I'll try. Ain't gonna lay Ain't my arm. See, I pitch it wrong. Uh-huh. You gotta do it. <laughs> Ain't gonna lay my armor down. Ain't gonna lay my armor down. Ain't gonna lay my armor down until he come. Ain't gonna lay my armor down. Ain't gonna lay my armor down. Ain't gonna lay my armor down until he comes. And there's no reason to lay your armor down. Nope. It's the sword of the spirit. And all the pieces of the armor that he has given us are for to, to wear. That's and right. to carry and never to lay them down, never depart from those things. That's yep. just the truth of it. 
D.L. Moody says, sin will keep you from the Bible. The Bible will keep you from sin. Hmm. So if we are indulging ourselves with sin, it will keep us from God's word. It will. We, we, we will lose our taste for it. But if we indulge ourselves in the Bible, it will keep us from sin. You're right. 100% right. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Jesus was speaking. He said, and now about prayer. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street and corners. he didn't say... If you pray. That's right. That's, that's right. He, he says, prayer. when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I assure you that is all the reward they will ever get is being seen. That's what Jesus says. But when you pray, go away by yourself. When... You pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you. Think about that. And pray to your father secretly. Then your father, who knows all secrets, will reward you, is what he's telling us. Verse 7 says, when you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered only by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, verse 8 says, because your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. And then he says in verse 9, he says, pray like this. Mm -hmm. Our father in heaven. Is Is that what it says? Yes. You go to your father... Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done here on earth, just as it is in heaven, just as it is in heaven. Give us our food for today and forgive us our sins, just as we have forgiven those who sinned against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but deliver us. From the evil one. So that's okay to pray that. So he says. He encourages us to pray that don't let us yield to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So when you're on your way home tonight, you're going, Papa God, don't let me. Don't let me yield to temptation. Almighty God, deliver me from evil. He says that's a right kind of a prayer. That's right. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. Hmm. That's right. Sure. Reynold III, a 14th century duke in what is now called Belgium, was grossly overweight. His Latin nickname, Crassus, means fat. His name meant fat. Yeah. Reynolds' younger brother, Edward. Now, he was, he was a duke. He was, you know, in, he was a, a ruler. His younger brother, Edward, revolted against Reynolds' rule. Edward captured Reynolds, but did not kill him. Instead, he built a room around Reynolds in the Newkirk Castle 
and promised him he could regain his title and property when he left the room. This would not have been difficult for most people since the room had several windows and a door of near normal size, none of which were locked or barred. Hmm. The problem was Reynolds' size. To regain his freedom, he needed to lose weight. Is losing weight hard? It is. It is. Edward knew his older brother, and each day he sent a variety of delicious foods into the room. Instead of dieting his way out of prison, Reynold grew fatter. When Duke Edward was accused of cruelty, he had a ready answer. My brother is not a prisoner. He may leave when he so wills. Reynolds stayed in his room for 10 years and wasn't released until after Edward died in battle. By then, his health was so ruined that he died within a year. He had been, for all those years, a prisoner of his own appetite. That's something. That's, that's tough. Hmm. But he would not yield to, he, he kept yielding to that temptation to eat what he shouldn't eat instead of losing the weight to gain his freedom. Do you think God would help us overcome such an appetite? Yes. 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 Who said that? Mm-hmm. Does anybody else believe that too? I believe. Yeah. Have you ever determined that the, an appetite can put you in bondage? Yes. <laughs> I think you're right. Luke chapter 22, verse 39. Then accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went, as usual, to the Mount of Olives. There he told the disciples, pray that you will not be overcome by temptation. Mm. Again, here is a way to, to avoid being overcome by temptation. He walked away about a stone's throat and knelt down and prayed. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will, not mine. He was resisting temptation by submitting to his heavenly father. That's what we need to do too. So when we come to the Almighty God, say, Papa God, I come to you in the name of your son Jesus and I ask that you would give me victory over the temptations that come my way. I ask that you would give me victory. He says we can come boldly to his throne of grace and obtain a victory. We can obtain that if we're asking him for that. Then an angel from heaven appeared to Jesus and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. Hmm. At last he stood up again and returned to the disciples only to find them asleep, exhausted from grief. Why are you sleeping, he asked. Get up and pray, otherwise temptation will overpower you. Hmm. How about that? So God's word and prayer are our mighty tools against temptation that we face. You're right. For years, workers and visitors flocked to the site of silverly, silvery dust flakes that floated to the floor in a mill where steel strips rolled over pads in a tall cooling tower. In his book, The Heat Steel Workers, Lives and Legends, steel worker Joe Guterres 
tells how beautifully the snow danced in August. So there were all these, this like silvery dust that came down from the, the steel as it was being processed. Hmm. The people discovered that the dust, this beautiful silvery dust, was asbestos. Everybody breathed it, quote, wrote Guterres. He now suffers from the slow, choking grip of asbestosis, as do many plant workers. And he said, who am I? I'm everybody. Everybody that was there faces the same thing that he was. I can't walk too far now. I get real tired really fast, and it hurts when I breathe sometimes. And to think, we used to fight over that job because it was a beautiful place to be, all these silvery, this silvery dust falling, and they had no idea that it was... It was unhealthy and would kill them eventually. How many things in our culture mm. result, resemble the silver flakes in that steel mill? Mm. They're enchanting, but they're deadly. That's amazing. Have you ever been around asbestos? Mm. Quite a few of you. You've been there, been working there. Mm-hmm. I've been working there, you know. I learned about it. I learned about it early enough to where I could say, "Eh, I'm going to use equipment that's provided for me to protect myself and all. But, you know, there's a lot of things the enemy of our soul would try to hurt us with. Mm -hmm. And God has made protection for us. He genuinely has. Matthew 26, verse 41 says, keep alert and pray. Otherwise, temptation will overpower you. We just Uh-oh. read that in Luke, but this is in Matthew. Yeah, isn't that something? Same thing. Keep yeah. alert. He says, keep alert. Pray. Otherwise, if you're not keeping alert, if you're not praying, otherwise, temptation will overpower you. Mm-hmm. Temptation will overpower you. For though the spirit is willing, our body is weak. That's what he tells us right here in Matthew chapter 26, verse 41. And Jesus overcame temptation with the word of God and with prayer. And he's taught us how to do the exact same thing. We're not tempted to be good, are we? Nope. We're we're tempted to disobey God. That's what we're, we're tempted to sin, to be honest with you, you know. The father of a small boy would occasionally sneak into a neighbor's orchard and pluck some of the choicest fruit. He always made sure, however, that the coast was clear. One day, when his son was tagging along, after carefully looking in every direction and seeing no one, he crept over the fence. He was just about ready to help himself when the youngster startled him by crying out, Dad, Dad, you didn't look up. You forgot to see if God is watching. When temptation comes and you're inclined to yield because no one else seems to be around, remember, God is always watching. Do you, do you really think God's watching you? He yes. is, always. You think He knows what you're up to? Yes. I believe He does. And He loves us and He'll forgive us mm-hmm. and He'll help us if we call out upon Him. Don't you think so, dear? Yes. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3. But the Lord is faithful. He will make you strong and guard you from the evil one. He will make you strong That's and guard you from the evil one. 
In a Twilight Zone episode from 1960, I never watched that show. So just so you know, I would hear, I would hear the music and I would run to my room. I never watched it. But anyway, in a Twilight Zone episode, that and Alfred Hitchcock, just forget it. In a Twilight Zone episode from 1960, an American on a walking trip through Central Europe gets caught in a raging storm, staggering through the blinding rain. He sees an imposing medieval castle, which is a hermitage for a brotherhood of monks. The reclusive monks reluctantly take him in. Later that night, the American discovers a cell with a man locked inside. Okay, so this American found refuge in this castle with these monks, and he found this cell with a man inside. The ancient, an ancient wooden staff bolted the door. The prisoner claims he's being held captive by the insane head monk, Brother Jerome. He pleads for the American to release him. The prisoner's kind face and gentle voice win over the American. Does and a kind face guarantee is a kind person? No. no. Oh. You're the, right. The American confronts Brother Jerome, who declares that the prisoner is Satan himself the father of lies, held captive by the staff of truth, the the word of God, which is the one barrier that Satan cannot pass. That convinces the American that that Jerome is, is indeed insane. He doesn't believe him. And as soon as he gets the chance, he releases the prisoner, who immediately transforms into a hideous horned demon and vanishes in a puff of smoke. The stunned American. Aren't you glad this is just a fictional thing? Anyway, the stunned American. Are you sure this is fiction there? I'm sure, but the truth is still there. The stunned American is horrified by what he's done. Jerome responds sympathetically. I'm sorry for you, my son. All your life you will remember this night and whom you have turned loose upon the world. I didn't believe you, the American replies. I saw him and didn't recognize him as Satan, to which Jerome responds, that is man's weakness and Satan's strength, that we don't recognize him. He's always trying to trick us. Mm-hmm. He's trying to scheme. and Be an angel of light, the scripture says. The Bible does say that the devil comes as an angel of light. And his whole plan is to deceive us and to destroy us. It says here in Ephesians 6.10, it says, a final word. Be strong with the Lord's mighty power. Is that the way it reads? That's the way it reads. Be strong with the Lord's mighty power. Put on all, what what percentage should that be? 100. Put on all God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies and tricks of the devil. That's pretty clear to the point that God wants you to win. He he wants you to be victorious in the battle that comes against us all. And it comes against us all. Yes. The tricks and the deceptions come against us all. That's That's just the way it is. This is an interesting article. It says, At a middle school in Oregon... Notice middle school, what age kids that would be. Some girls were putting on lipstick 
and then pressing their lips to the mirrors in the bathroom, leaving dozens of lip prints, okay? You can kind of imagine what that would look like. Do you guys leave lip prints in the bathroom? Now, you're probably thinking, what in the world does this have to do with anything? The principal called the girls to the bathroom and told them how the lip prints were causing a major problem for the custodian who had to clean the mirrors every day of all these lip prints. To demonstrate how difficult it was to clean the lip prints off, she asked the custodian to clean one of the mirrors. He took out a long-handled brush, dipped it into the toilet, and scrubbed the mirror. What did he dip it into? Into the toilet and scrub the mirror. Since then, there have been no more lip prints on the mirrors. It's pretty wild. And here's the catch. When tempted to sin in any way, when tempted to sin, if we could only see the real filth that we would be kissing, we wouldn't be attracted to it. Think about that. Pretty powerful to me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Holiness is not freedom from temptation, but power to overcome temptation. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23 says, Now may the God of peace make you holy uh, wonder how many different ways he wants to make us holy. In every way. Oh, may God, now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until that day when our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God who calls you is faithful, and he will do this. That's what he's telling us, is it? That's true. That's true. John 17, 17, Jesus prayed for us. He said, make them pure and holy by teaching them your words of truth. That's so, how we get holiness. Is by learning God's ways. Learning his truth is how we become holy. Mm-hmm. He cleanses us. Yeah. From, from within, really. Mm-hmm. And he gives us the staying power to stay clean. Mm-hmm. And it's truth. It, it works a miracle in us. Genuinely. When you have Christ, you're rich. He is enough. He will provide everything you need so you won't have to count on others without him. People change and fail. You cannot depend on them. Those that are for you today may be against you tomorrow. They are as variable as the wind, but Christ is eternally faithful, so says Thomas Akempis. Hmm. You're right. Philippians 1 6 says, And I am sure that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on that day when Christ Jesus comes. Back again. And that work, part of that work is giving us victory to overcome temptations. 
Absolutely. Absolutely you, right. You want to read that one or you want me to? Yeah, you, it's just this is, Yeah, this is a pretty powerful story. It says, when Bill was a young boy, he fell in love with golf, and his parents gave him a club and a harmless wiffle-type golf ball, which he could hit around the backyard. He loved to swing the club and the feeling of hitting the ball, even though it would not go very far because of its lightness. Remember, it was like a whiffle ball, golf ball, of its lightness and all the holes in it. One day, thinking his parents weren't home, he had the overwhelming temptation to feel the click of a real ball against the, the club head. He teed it up and gave it a hard whack. Unfortunately, the ball was not hit properly and it hooked sharply from its intended flight and the ball went directly for one of the windows of his house and right through the window with a terrifying crash. But the crash was immediately followed by a piercing scream. Oh no, he ran into the house, burst into the living room and there, standing in front of the window was his mother, bleeding and he gasped. What have I done? Bill cried out. Mother, I could have killed you. She hugged him and said, I'm okay. It's all right. I'm going to be all right. Years later, Bill said, there in that moment, when I saw my mother bleeding, there were some things I knew I could never do again in my backyard. I could never so much as carry a golf club across the, back, the lawn of our backyard. The sight of her standing there with blood flowing down that I had caused changed my behavior forever. Let's look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, bleeding and suffering the result of our sin, saying, it's all right. It's okay. It's really all right. But when you've seen Christ like that, there are some things we can never do again. The idea of continuing on in our sin becomes unthinkable. Hmm. Are, are there some things you think in our life that we would consider unthinkable never to do? Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, that, that it's interesting. I, I, it just came to my mind that throughout our, our, the last years, Oftentimes when I, I face, you know, in counseling with people or talking with people who are struggling with sin or of any kind or, or, or aren't sure about, you know, is Jesus Christ real and, you know, the changing, I encourage them to watch The Passion of the Christ, that movie. And when we see what he suffered for us, it, it, it is a, an awakening to us that, you know, there, I don't, I don't want to sin anymore. Have you guys watched The Passion? I think we need to rewatch it every once in a while. I need, I need to. For the sake of those who may not have ever watched it, what, what's it about? Well, it's it's a, a very biblical depiction of what Christ went through, um, you know, leading up to the crucifixion and and the crucifixion. So. Uh, the the part that is so vivid is from the you know the beating that he took when he was whipped. That, for that us. was biblically accurate, was yeah, it not? That that beating and the crown of thorns beaten down on his you know on him, and then he w- he was also, you know, of course the crucifixion is a horrible thing to watch, but it, it helps us to you know to get a very real picture of what Christ did for our sins. Um, 
and, and we need to recognize the price he paid. Because he paid a, a paid a very high price to set us free. And Hebrews 12, 2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 says, for God is working in you. Which one of the people is he talking about here? Every one of them, 100%. God is working in you. He's working in you, giving you the desire to obey him. Isn't that something? He says he's given us the, the desire to obey him. A desire to obey him, giving you the desire to obey him, and the power to do what pleases him. Says so God's doing that. And in doing that, if he's given us the desire to obey him and the power to do what pleases him, that means he gives us the power to say no to sin. To he resist does. temptation. It gives us 100% victory, does it not? It does. Because he says he'll give us the desire to obey him and the power to do what pleases him. And God's working in you, giving you that desire Mm -hmm. to obey him. I just got to read it again. Giving you that desire to obey him and the power to do what pleases him. How do you feel when you do what you know pleases Almighty God? It's fantastic. It's wonderful. Mm -hmm. To obey Almighty God. What he's tugging at your heart, what he's equipping you to do, yes, you, you, you feel awesome. It's the most fulfilling thing that you can do. And, and the devil tries to trick us into thinking that sin is the most fulfilling thing that we can do. But it will destroy us. You're absolutely right. Well, why don't we pray before we dismiss right now? Would you like to say a prayer for all of us here? Sure. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, I would invite you to pray this prayer for the first time. If you do know Christ as your Savior, let's reaffirm our faith in Him. Dear Heavenly Father, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe, I believe that Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is your Son. Is your Son. That He died on the cross. That He died on the cross. For my sins. For my sins. He paid for them. He paid for them in full. In full. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. For my sins. For my sins. Thank you. Thank you. For that forgiveness. For that forgiveness. Thank you that Jesus. Thank you that Jesus. Rose from the dead. Rose from the dead. To now give me. Now to give me. A new life. A new life. With victory. With victory. Over every sin. Over every sin. To help me. To help me. To resist temptation. To resist temptation. And to obey you. And to obey you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.